Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jack Club podcast. We talk about movies, television, comics, video games. Every now and then, we'll dive into pop culture. But uh, no Sam today. Just gonna make that clear right off the top. Sam is uh, taking care of himself, and that's what's most important. You know, self care. Uh, so I, I, I thought about doing this by myself, and I figured, no, that's not what this is about. The whole point of the Black Stubs is to have a conversation about the things that we love. That's the whole point. That's why I, you know, chose to do this whole project. I wanted a platform where I could freely talk about movies and TV and, you know, nerd stuff, things I, things I love. Uh, speaking of which, um, I decided to bring on, uh, someone very near and dear to my heart. Uh, my, my girlfriend Rachel is here. Uh, hey. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, essentially, uh, I just want to talk about the Suicide Squad. Uh, it's been out, so it's going to be a full spoiler review. Um, a lot of people have seen it, whether in theaters or on streaming. A lot of opinions are out there already. So I just want to talk about it real quick. And also, um, also want to talk about uh, What If. Because by now, we have two episodes out. And maybe by the time this episode is out, maybe there'll be three. But um, yeah, I just want to talk about that stuff today. Um, so I personally really, really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. James Gunn uh, stepping into the DCEU. Uh, does does the movie, you know, is it a, a sequel? Is it a, a reboot? I, I would call it a soft sequel. Um, right off the bat, uh, Harley... Uh, Colonel Flag, uh, Rip Flag, and Boomer kind of establish the fact that they know each other, they're familiar with each other, and that kind of, you know, takes place in Suicide Squad, the 2016 film. So the movie definitely stands by itself. It tells its own original story um, without, you know, heavily relying on the, its predecessor. And I feel like that's one of uh, the DCEU's strengths right now. They don't have to adhere to uh, an overarching, you know, narrative. So they have the freedom right now to tell these stories that acknowledge the fact that they're in a you know a shared cinematic universe without having to worry about uh, overlapping storylines or, or or characters uh, you know so right now I really I really like what they're doing they can just do whatever they want and when they're ready to go ahead and do the crossover um, right now we're getting you know the Flash movie and and we're getting um uh um you know I, I don't think Pattinson's or Pattinson's you know the Batman is gonna be DCEU that might be another you know kind of Elseworld type of thing. What? If it's not DCU, what is it? Um, it, it's similar to uh, you know, Walking Phoenix's Joker. It's just a DC movie, but doesn't really. It's not DCEU unless it you know acknowledges other things. But um. Uh, in the Suicide Squad, it's definitely um, James Gunn unhinged. He got to do whatever he wanted to do, and it shows uh, comparatively to uh, Suicide Squad, which was, you know, Warner Brothers heavy, heavy um, uh, meddling and just completely messing up whatever David Ayer was trying to go for, a bit darker, a bit more grounded take. Uh, they totally backed off here, and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is gory uh it's foul mouthed and it's very funny like his kind of it's not quite you know will ferrell slapstick like stepbrothers humor but it's it teeters on that you know there are there are penis jokes and there are this <laughs> <laughs> is um um jokes of you know jokes about tidy whities and and you know rat phobias uh 
a lot more with the R rating than they were able to with the PG-13 rating back in the first Suicide Squad. Yeah, for, absolutely. And, and, and it shows. Um, uh, the cast, right off the bat, um, you know, for continuity, it's Margot Robbie, um, Joel Kinnaman as uh, Rick Flagg, uh, Viola Davis, of course, once again as uh, Amanda Waller, and um, and uh, man, uh, Jai Courtney as um, as Captain Boomerang. So just to reiterate, this is gonna be uh, full spoilers, and uh, it is the Suicide Squad, and the whole premise of it, you know, from the comics is, you know, these villains, these bad guys, are sent on a suicide mission. They're not expected to, you know, succeed all the time. You know, if they if they die, they're expendable. You know, they're already they're already menaces to society. So if they die, you know, good riddance. You know. So James Gunn kind of leans into that, but in a more comedic way. Uh, the, the entire first squad we see, uh, you know, uh, Pete Davidson and, um, and uh, M- M- Michael Rooker uh, and, and all of them, they all, you know, they all die, like, in the first 10 minutes. Um, uh, but the, the main squad um, is Idris Elba and uh, John Cena, um, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone as uh, King Shark, uh, and uh, David Desmolchin as Polka Dot Man, and uh, the newcomer, I forget her name, uh, Portuguese actress, but she plays a uh, rat catcher too. Uh, all, all amazing. All, all, all amazing. What, what, what did you think of, um, of these, uh, of the casts comparatively, like the team dynamic between the original Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad? Well, some things that stuck out to me was um, you kind of saw that they gave. The characters the time to like get to know each other or have some kind of connection even for like a good example is like um what's his name the shooter guy blood sport blood sport yeah blood sport has a this kind of father-daughter connection with ratcatcher 2 she's a little bit older than his daughter and i don't know there's just this like kind of touching scene and they're like okay you know we're gonna get out of this alive and then towards the end of the movie they're like the last one standing basically and harley quinn of course yeah i like their dynamic and um right off the bat uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker. I, I I love their little you know competitive you know macho manness because uh, they both have very similar skill sets. So they have this who's better at, at what kind of thing going on, and it, it builds it carries throughout the entire movie. And of course in the third act, you know they have their their shootout for for um you know for for reasons, and uh and and it's great. You know it's 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 so natural how it all plays out. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, continuity, this is, uh, Margot Robbie's third appearance in the DCEU as, as Harley Quinn. And, uh, a lot of people have said this is, uh, their favorite Harley Quinn. She feels the most, uh, true to the comics. I will say, like, she feels, for me, the most adult. Um, she was, like, she was obviously the highlight in Suicide Squad, which is what led her to get her own movie, uh, Birds of Prey. And in Suicide Squad, you know, she's she has a, a a youthfulness to her. Like she's she's crazy about about the Joker, as she should be. But there's just not not childlike, but there's just a youthful adolescent. Uh, I don't know, steampunk teen romance kind of thing going on. Uh, and you know, Joker's texting her, like, "Oh, I'm coming, come coming to save you, baby." You know that kind of stuff. Uh, in, in Birds of Prey, when when they're not together anymore, you know, it's it's her growth. The entire movie is. Her growth and coming to terms with what what has happened and and what's next for her and in this Suicide Squad she does come into her own and and she's catching red flags and not falling for for any you know any toxic men who who have any cruelty or you know just hate in their heart she's just not with it anymore um, you know there's subtle details to like um, her, her character design now like there's no there's no, it's no longer um, 
property of the Joker tattoo on her back. It's now property of no one. Um, and like uh, even her jacket, it's like instead of like uh, you know, property of the Joker, it's like you know, die clown. You know, so I I love that. And um, uh, what what do, what do you think about Harley Quinn? Because she's been such a, an amazing symbol, like iconic symbol since since her debut in the uh, the Batman like animated series. Um, I honestly think that because Margot Robbie did such an amazing performance in the um, Suicide Squad, I think that people have kind of leaned into her character more. Like there was a whole series based off this character design of Harley Quinn, and it was really popular. And you know, she got Birds of Prey, and um, now the Suicide Squad. She of course isn't like the center of the movie. Movie, but she definitely has her own scenes like we are able to just kind of be alone with harley quinn in her own world and i really appreciate that because she's a very popular character her scenes are always very fun to watch um yeah yeah for sure uh and i like how they kind of continued her being her her own you know unreliable narrative like uh, uh how it was in, in birds of prey you know when she when she drives the truck at the very beginning when she's symbolizing her or you know pub- publicly announcing the breakup she, by crashing the truck into the the Acme uh uh um uh factory you know to blow it up and when in the explosion you know in reality is you know a red hot fiery metal disaster but in her mind what she sees is like you know vibrant green and and pink and purple like it's her it's her masterpiece and in the Suicide Squad she has like this amazing um. Uh, amazing escape scene because um, uh, you know she gets separated from from the first squad and uh, and uh, ends up with uh, one of the bad guys uh, the real bad guys um, well I'll get, get into that later I love how how like politically charged the movie kind of is like the undertones of it um, um, I, I I just I just loved um, um, you know where 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 she where she goes and her escape scene. Uh, all the bloodshed, it's just um, like rose petals. I saw that in the trailer. I was like, that's a beautiful shot. I can't wait to see that and like what it means. And it's just Harley Quinn in her own animated, beautiful Harley Quinn world. Um, another thing I, I really loved is um, this, you know, James Gunn, he did it in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Groot and Rocket with making us just fall in love with these CG characters. Sylvester Stallone as King Shark, you know, Sylvester Stallone is an icon, his, you know, he's, 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 he's Rocky, he's, he's Rambo, he's been, like, so well respected, his career spans 40 years, almost 50 years now, uh, King Shark is so lovable and, and precious, just, like, the, 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 the childlike, he's childlike, for sure, and, like, he's so simple-minded, and he's just, He's a shark, and you know, like, like uh, I love, I love his introduction. It's, it's so, it's so cute because it's he's trying to be, you know, trying to impress these, you know, these people he's meeting for the first time. But you know, he, he's not very bright. But he's like, you know, he's he's holding the book upside down. He's like, love read books so much. Like <laughs> he was, he was pretending to read. He can't read, but he was like, he was like pretending to. Um, like it's just, it's just a really amazing how he's able to do that. And of course, again. With Guardians of the Galaxy, a lot of people didn't know who they were but until the movie came out, and they're some of people's favorite, like, favorite part of, of the MCU. Uh, for me, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but for me, he did it again with this. Like, I've never heard of, of Bloodsport before, or, or Peacemaker, to be honest, but now I'm really interested in these characters. I want to see more of them. And of course, we don't know if, if we will or not, but... Um, um, hmm? I mean, because it's, it's the, the DCEU is so... Uh, uh, un- uncertain. Um, there's no, there's no, you know, they're just making movies. The, ne- the next movies are Aquaman two, um, Black Adam. Right. We don't really 
follow this like cohesive storyline like in, um, Marvel does. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- there's no, there's no, you know, there's no narrative right now. Um, skipping ahead to like the the, the third act, uh, a lot of people had an issue with Starro. There's a there's a big CGI monster. Uh, uh, see, oh really? You didn't like it either. Disturbing, but like I think that that they were trying to lean into the more disturbing side of Suicide Squad because it's a very it's a disturbing concept to like have these criminals like get bombs injected into their brain and they have to do what Katniss that's not her name Kat what's her name uh, Amanda Waller Amanda Waller <laughs> Katniss you know from like Batman series what's her name oh Cadmus Cadmus is the is the organization um, Amanda Waller is the Right, right. Yeah, they have to do whatever she says, or else they're gonna get blown up. That's very disturbing. So I feel like maybe the creators lean more into the disturbing aspects of the Suicide Squad and that concept. And like Star, 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 Star the Conqueror, Star Lord, Starro, Starro. I'm sorry, Starro. Um, it's just disturbing, and the way he died. It, it was the whole ending scene was very cringy, but not like in a cringy like this is terrible. Cringy as in the actual material on the screen is really gross. Yeah. Um, you know, James Gunn has a background in, uh, in, in horror. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, splatter in this film. The way people die, it's, it's meant to be entertaining. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, Tarantino-esque. Um, uh, I personally really enjoyed Starro. It's a character I thought I'd never see live action and, um, you know, it's big and like pink and blue and, you know, it's very, it's very poppy. Um. Uh. This this movie, without a doubt, is the most unhinged comic book film I've ever seen, and that became apparent to me as as you were talking about. Um. There's a shot, you know, uh, like like very very similar to how like Cyborg was the heart of the uh the Snyder cut. Ratcatcher two uh ended up being the um the the, the heart of the Snyder cut so, of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of of the Suicide Squad. I think it's uh, because like she's so. I don't know if this house is similar to like Iron Cup, but she's very innocent. Like she is not a killer. She's not like she's not really a criminal. I mean, like she stole, but like she was homeless and she had nothing, and like her rat stole for her. So I def I don't think she really deserves to be in that type of jail or in that type of position. She's very innocent, and like you were saying before, Chris, that like when Bloodshot, Bloodsport, Bloodsport. Sorry, let's sport. And um, the other guys were like, "Okay, you're gonna take over and take this gun." She's like, "Whoa, I can't do this!" Like when they handed her the gun, she's like, "No, this is not uh, familiar to me." This is- yeah, when they find um the uh the, the thinker at the, at the bar. Yeah, that, that part. The thinker, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just like. Don't oh, oh, played by uh, Peter Capaldi, your boy from uh from uh, Doctor Who. Um, well, I am a Whovian, but like honestly, I kind of stopped watching after Matt Smith, eleventh. So he's the twelfth Doctor. You know, like a lot of people are like, "Oh, do you like ten or 12 or 10 and 11 and or... i don't know actually but continue. yeah my was 11 so capaldi's like 12 um the writing it wasn't it was okay just it's hard to follow matt smith as the doctor i don't i don't follow at all uh uh rat catcher 2 was played by uh, uh daniela uh man it's, it's, it's a portuguese name so melchior melchior I'm, I'm not i'm not quite sure but um yeah she she, she uh, really stole the show in the very end and there's a really beautiful, sweet cameo by uh, Taika Waititi as her father, a uh, rat catcher one. Um, you know, uh, he struggled with uh, with, uh, with 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 heroin. Um, you know, he has struggled with, with addiction. And um, you know, uh, as as she uh, so uh, eloquently and beautifully, you know, refers it to like his burdens. You know, you know, like 
he had, you know, addiction is a mental illness and nothing else. Like people who, have, who struggle with addiction need help, you know, not, not, not a prisoner. And, and like you said, like she, she's just a thief, but not like Catwoman. Like Catwoman will, will kill when she needs to. Ratcatcher too, she just steals to survive. Like the rats bring money, bring food. Like, you know, basic necessities. Like, to... Another thing is they're scavengers. Like, are the rats really stealing from people's pockets? Maybe they are. But, like, in my head, they're the forgotten creatures, animals, right? So they're, like, bringing her things that are forgotten, things that are lost, easy to get. So to me, it's like she's could be even not really a thief, but, like, a scavenger, honestly. She's not a criminal. Yeah, absolutely. And it sucks that, like, her, when she, you know, we find out she's in, in jail because of, um... Because her rats were like were like deemed as as a weapon, like armed. She's charged with armed robbery of a bank, like referring to rats as, as weapons. That was. Oh wait, did she steal from a bank? She she, she robbed a bank, but 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 they oh, called it armed good. robbery because they called the rats uh, weapons. Okay, but like you probably shouldn't rob a bank. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, she 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 she's she's still a villain, but like she's just not. That's the whole point she's of the suicide. Here as peacemaker, she's not a murderer. She's not like blood, blood sport. Yeah. And like you know, it's 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 the same concept of of the first you know suicide suicide squad. They're they're bad guys, but they're not evil. You know, and that, and there's like that interesting you know uh, uh, distinction between the two. Uh, speaking of which, uh, yep, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Like I guess if you're thinking about like bad guys, but like aren't evil, think about like the Joker. You couldn't put the Joker on the Suicide Squad. Like he's not gonna. I don't know. You're not gonna see any kind of redeeming qualities in him that way maybe like the other joker from like the joker movie what? what's his name walking maybe him yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah like like uh rat catcher 2 how she how she how she kind of saves the day with, with with her rats um you know she calls all all the rats uh in the city to take out this giant you know kaiju this giant monster and um it's this beautiful flashback you know uh it, it, it made me tear up you know she's a child again and she's a with her father and there's just perched up on this uh on the top of this building uh, looking over uh, um um you know uh, uh, portugal it's, it's it's beautiful and uh and she goes you know uh, uh why rats papa and he and he goes um rats are the, are, are, are the lowliest most despised creatures and in, in all in all of the world but if they have purpose so do we all you know like you know we're villains you know the, the, su- the suicide squad are, are, are seen as you know expendable disposable but you know you're a bad guy you know so you do some some low life stuff you're, you're you're not you're not worthless you know you still have goodness in you which is something you know Ratcatcher 2 tries to convince uh blood sport of um uh so yeah like i i knew this film was the most unhinged comic book film i've ever seen when we get the shot of margot robbie floating around inside starro like inside starro's eye and rat catcher 2's rats start crawling into the hole that she pierced and swim inside the eye with her and they're just gnawing like munching on starro's innards and like <laughs> like his nerve endings and they're just killing like a virus. They're just parasites, you know. They're killing Starro from the inside out, and like it's, it's so graphic. Like Starro's eye starts to fill with like blood and stuff. And watch that in IMAX too. So just like imagine that on a huge screen, just this giant eyeball exploding. I guess like with rats. Oh. It, it, it was it, it was definitely a, a lot. But uh, again, uh, James Gunn, he, he's good with characters and he knows, you know, for the most part, he, he, he's really good at, at pulling the heartstrings uh, and making care for people. But another 
thing is like um we actually have the movie going on in the background on mute but like just like these characters riding together in a van right now through the island it's just more it's more exciting it's more like intriguing like you just saw like a the flash of what's the short guy's name again the shark character king shark king shark you're just looking out at the city and then you see rat catcher 2 and like dead sport blood sport blood sport <laughs> i'm so sorry blood sport they're just having this um conversation like she's talking to him about her father and reading this backstory on her yeah. it's just intriguing it's like character building you know story building um and uh and yeah you know starro's Sorrow's last words are just, um, you know, even though he was about to take over this entire, you know, uh, uh, country, you know, his final words are, uh, you know, I was happy, you know, floating, staring at the stars because that's, that's what he was doing. He was, he was just chilling. He wasn't trying to conquer anyone. He was chilling by himself in space just, just by Americans and brought back to, your, to Earth to get experimented on. Thank you so much. Perfect. That's where I kind of wanted to take it to this conversation. I love how politically charged this movie is uh, and, um, you know, the, the commentary on U.S. foreign policy, you know, and, you know, throughout history, we're not innocent in any regard. We, we, we go to other countries. We, ex, you know, exploit other countries. And then when things go, go wrong there, we try to wash our hands of it. And, you know, James Gunn captures all of that in The Suicide Squad. It's but like it's very it's kind of interesting that this movie's coming out and had all this commentary on america and foreign policy and now like what's going on with afghanistan's happening it's just um not ironic but like you know it's just it's, it's, it's just it's, it's interesting it's, it's just you know life imitating art and uh history repeating itself um you know so as you said it's it's american astronauts and their hubris who just who just capture it bring it on on their on their on their uh on their spaceship uh, spacecraft and uh un completely unaware of its abilities it just you know uh kind of uh what, what, what the, kind of uh it multiplies you know divides and um and takes control uh they can't have this you know they want to continue experiments and you know you know and the uh, possibility of weaponizing it but they don't want to conduct these experiments on u.s for on u.s soil so they so they do uh uh dang what's, what's, what's the term what's, what's the term for it um ah man i forget but um they decide to continue these uh these experiments in another country and you know and they try to keep it under wraps and they experiment on children as flag says um speaking of speaking of flag uh again i know the dceu doesn't have any uh continuity right now to, to, to be concerned with but this is the suicide squad and if they do do another one you know you colonel rick flag as a character he's always he's he's the you know, there's a leader of the villains, but you know, the leader and, and flag are the ones who are. You know, flag is flag is, is the is the is, is the militant uh, chaperone. He's the one who who he uh if any of them mess up, he like he's the one who talks to Waller. You know what I mean? So the fact that in this movie, full spoilers, he dies at the hands of of uh, John John Cena's peacemaker, uh, alongside with uh Captain Boomerang, who is you know. Oh, way earlier in the movie yeah but the, which which i'm saying that surprised me because captain boomerang is one of the flashes like b b he, he he's a main he's one of the flash's main villains and you know we're, we're, the flash is getting his own movie even though yeah the supergirl in it and michael keaton is in it and and batfleck is coming back it's still a flash movie if they move forward with you know ezra miller's flash i would like it if they if they kept around you know captain boomerang for continuity but um, but you know he was he was killed off. I hope they find some comic book way to bring him back. Um, but even more than that, uh, Rick Flag, who just who, who's become like so likable in this movie compared to Suicide Squad, 
Um, and someone posted on Twitter that I found so interesting, the impact that, that wardrobe and, and hair can have on the appeal of a character. He, he even looks more appealing in, in, this, in this movie. In The Suicide Squad, the first one, I, I don't know. He, he looks a little Tim Burton-y, like a little pale, a little darker on the eyes, like he hasn't slept in a while. Like, uh, Rick Flagg. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't recognize him. I, didn't, I, I guess I don't, didn't watch Suicide Squad um, before watching this, but I didn't realize that there were some characters other than Harley Quinn that was in this movie that were in the first movie. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. All right. Um, <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, I, I really liked the movie. Uh, um, it was a massive improvement. Uh, it was as clear as day that, you know, David, David Ayer got the, uh, got the Snyder treatment. They just trampled over what he, whatever he wanted to do. And, uh, and James Gunn got the opposite, you know, he got the Snyder cut treatment. He got to do exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, there is no director's cut. He said everything he wanted to do is on screen. And and it's it's amazing. Uh, you can tell though, because like it works. You know, there's not really any scenes that you're like, I wish this was cut out. Except for me personally, I hate Weasel the character. Like I think he's just so ugly, and I feel like you could just like cut him, and nothing would happen in the movie. It'd be better. The movie would be better for it. But that's just a personal opinion. Other than that, like I think the movie is very um, cohesive. It's enjoyable to watch. You know, there's never like there's awkward scenes, but like not awkward and like this doesn't belong here. More awkward and like okay, this is a weird thing that's happening on the screen. Yeah, for sure. Um. You know, I, I don't know who or when we'll see some of these characters again, but um, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it just makes me wonder, you know, like what if the DCEU had, you know, a, a continuity? And if they, you know, what if, you know, they built their continuity the way the MCU did and, you know, someday they could have their own version of what if, you know, uh, <laughs> a little segue there. Anyone notice the segue? Segue, segue to We're what? gonna start talking about what if. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, love DC EU, but I'm a Marvel. DC. DC. You like DC? I'm a Marvel person. Um, Who's your superhero? Spider Man. You hear that, Sam? Did we get the preview today. Today's like what? Monday. Did we get a preview today. No trailer. No trailer. You would have told me. Yeah. But um, yeah. The world. About e- e- even though that that the trailer leaked, I did not look at it. Um, but yeah. How do you how do you not you you're not on Twitter today? No, I don't follow. I guess I don't follow the same people you follow. But no. But if it's trending, it's trending. I, I don't look at trending. I should do that more. But I, I really don't look at trending that much. Um, I you know I'm just getting in and out of Twitter. Um, can we talk about before we leave the Suicide Squad topic? Can we talk about um how Waller Waller Amanda Waller Amanda Waller her her staff just like knocked her out at the end, which is crazy because in the first movie she like shot all of her staff to keep like. Yeah things confidential so, it was very stupid. So stupid but in this movie her staff don't agree with what she's doing so they knock her out and like instead of killing any of them or like i don't know it's weird the next shot she has ice on her head and she's just kind of like oh like you know that really bothers you so much in this it doesn't this... bother me but just like so, is something bad gonna happen to them you, you, or always, they you always mention it you always mention it like it, it gets to you well it, it doesn't bother me what bothered me was the first movie and she just killed all her staff it's like this is just dumb because like who's gonna want to work for you ever and why did they get killed like why were they chris you say it all the time she said that they weren't cleared for that information that's why she killed them then why were they working on it why were they working on it like that's what clearances are for so like why would that doesn't you're just stupid right yeah Um, yeah totally it kind of took away from her intelligence like okay that's really a dumb way to do things but for this one, it kind of changed her character a little bit. Like, she doesn't seem as deadly. Like, for them to just, like, you know, like, the the employees were, like, making bets on who would die.
high and there was that this was kind hilarious. of it was just that was kind hilarious. of fun work environment that you had going on and her staff I guess maybe they're new to her but they were surprised that like she was threatening Bloodsport's daughter like oh they're gonna kill her she threatened to kill his daughter like they were surprised about that and then when she was gonna blow up Bloodsport's head I guess because they were refusing to like leave the island without taking care of again again like Starro they could have saved they could have stopped Starro they could have Amanda was like nope the job is done you destroyed Jotunheim uh, you know the base where they were doing the experiments uh, you know, uh, pack it in, and you know, and she. The comment of the White House will see this as as a positive. The fact that you are, the fact that you like unleash this thing that's that's gonna like tear apart this foreign country. I was like, wow, seriously, that's so so messed up. But um, but yeah, that's that's a, that's a, that's um, that's another you know uh, good point about you know Amanda Waller and uh, and her staff in this movie. Versus uh in, in Suicide Squad, you know, um they know the deal. Again, James Gunn lean, leans into that for for humor. Uh, they're placing bets on who they think is gonna die. Like it's because because it's the Suicide Squad. They're expected to. So, so yeah. Um, that was uh that was also very funny. But I I do want to talk about uh um what if um uh it's it's Marvel it's the MCU's like animated series and you know Loki establishes the fact yes there is a multiverse and and we get to look at it a little bit with uh you know all the variants and the concept of the, out there in, in the multiverse different timelines and dimensions there are different versions of you um and in episode 1 kicks off with uh, uh uh Captain Carter um with uh Haley Atwell I believe returning for the character of uh, of, uh, of Peggy Carter and uh, it's essentially a 33-minute uh, abbreviated version of Captain America, uh, the first Avenger. Um, it's, it's the first movie to sped up a little bit, uh, but you know, what if it was Peggy instead of Steve? Um, I'm not going to summarize it at all, but uh, you know, things happen, and, and for some reason, uh, Steve doesn't make it into the, ch- into the, into the uh, uh, chamber to get the serum. Uh, and she goes in instead. I yeah. get that part. I don't know why. That just like that confused me. She's like, "Oh, this has to happen now." And then later they addressed the fact that Steve was supposed to get the serum and he didn't for some reason. I just felt like they kind of glossed over that, and it could have been more interesting. Did you Did you watch the episode? Did I you didn't watch the episode? There was a big like there was a, there was a Nazi spy, there was a Hydra spy who like totally interrupted the entire thing. Yeah, but why couldn't they just start again? Hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, I, again, but like um, it's um. Uh, you know, like, oh no, like we have to wait because it's for Steve, and she's like, like we we can't wait, and no, we we got to do it now, like this, our, our, like I'm pretty sure, like there was the base was about to blow, like it was it was a very like you know high stakes uh, situation, but uh, but um, you know, Peggy gets the serum, and uh, you know, because she's a woman and it's World War Two, of course they're like, oh, absolutely not, and this guy, I I have no idea what this character is, but he keeps. He's such a douche. He keeps talking about how, how um she's lucky to be in the room, and I'm like, bro, like this guy has no idea. Is that anyone different from her versus like Steve Rogers being Captain America? Is that they kind of advertised him a lot? Like he helped. He was like the face of the war efforts. Um, but with Peggy, no, she was just kind of like under the radar. Like like you said, like she's a woman, so people didn't want to give like, her that publicity, he, give her that power. He didn't even acknowledge her as a super soldier. Like he says, like, oh, and we still need a super soldier. She's like. You have one now, and he was like, "No way." But um, yeah, at least in in uh, in the movie First Avenger, you know, they're completely willing to have him, you know, travel and and be a spokesperson and 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 be a symbol of U.S. you know propaganda, um, like 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 the symbol, 
Um, but of course, you know, she gets a, she gets a moment very similar to Steve to prove herself. Even you know she disobeys orders and goes out into the field and stops um um there there's something going out you know with Hydra and you know the and the, and the uh, technology they're dealing with and with the uh, Tesseract. Uh, one thing I'll, I will say about this first episode I noticed is uh, the the uh, the choreography and for the fighting, how fluid she uh, ca- Captain Carter is with the shield, uh, how brutal she is and just efficient. She gets in, gets out. Um, you know, it's you know I, I don't know if people will agree with this, but you know she just has a fluidity to her to her movement, very similar to you know Elastigirl and Miss Incredible. You know she's you know Miss Incredible is a hammer. She's a needle. You know she's she's precise. She can. She can get the job done more efficiently, you know. With, you know, with this, I don't, I, I, don't know. There was just something about her. She did it a bit, you know, a bit smoother. Um, I, I do like the fact that you know, uh, uh, Howard Stark, you know, uh, because of you know, what if, because uh, Steve Rogers never gets the serum. That doesn't change the fact that Steve Rogers is still a good person who just wants to serve. He, ne- he never asked for the serum. He just wanted to serve, and, and, and because he was. You know, you know, uh, had asthma and was thin and and short. Like they said, no, like like you don't like he couldn't pass his his you know basic training tests. But um, but uh, that doesn't change the fact he still wants to serve. And so Howard still gives him a way to do that. We get the Iron Man suit, you know, like years before the first Iron Man suit because Steve Rogers didn't get the serum, but still wanted to serve, and he was he was allowed to. Also, he got that technology sooner than um, Tony Stark would have gotten it. Like with the Tesseract, that was like new, right? And um, Howard Stark was able to come up with that technology decades before. Like he was able to come up with it before his son was even born, right? So that was interesting. Um, I just feel like it's... I watched the second episode of What If before watching the first one. So it's kind of hard to compare it because the second one is just so amazing. It's great. Um, did you want to finish talking about the first yeah. one? Yeah, um, yeah. The, the second one is definitely told more of an original story. Like as I said, uh, the first one is more of a, an abbreviated retelling of the of, uh, of the first Avenger. It ends a little bit differently. Um, um, you know, she uh, in, instead of uh, uh, weapons and like bombs flying into you know into New York and destroying the entire you know eastern seaboard. Um, uh, uh, in the in the <laughs> And the first event, the first Avenger, you know, uh, Red Skull has a plane full of hydro, full of uh, um, weapons used, you know, made with the Tesseract, and they're and they're they're crashing, they're heading for New York. That's why Steve puts it underground and, and comes frozen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Instead of that, uh, he wants to, um, he's like summoning some some space creature from another another another. Oh, sorry, I'm laying down. <laughs> I need to get up here. Um, I did not like the portal thing. It felt not, I don't know. It kind of felt like a throwaway. Like they didn't really think it, think it through that much. They're just like, okay, there'll be a portal and then there'll be like this giant space alien and then like she'll have to fight it and then she'll go through the portal into, into the future. I just, I don't know. It just kind of left you with more questions. Like you're not going to get the answers because they probably won't come back to her story because you're going through all these different types of realities and what ifs. So you're just kind of left with, okay, some random portal with a octopus looking thing. And then like for some reason she gets blasted in the future and okay, gotcha. Just wasn't as satisfying. Oh, okay. You don't feel that way? No, I, I loved it. Of course, I love the second episode more, but uh, I got mad like Wonder Woman vibes. Like she became... This Amazon warrior, she's taller. She's her her her, her, her shoulders and arms are just so swollen and broad now, and the way she's like throwing around this shield, like it, she the character design is is great. She doesn't need a cowl or a helmet. Like sh- the shield is great. I I, re- I really enjoyed this one. Um, episode two of What If um 
was completely original. It's what if uh, T'Challa, Black Panther, was Star-Lord. Uh, and this was, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, final performance as uh, as T'Challa, um, you know, as his uh, untimely passing uh, back in August. Um, uh, this story was amazing. For, for starters, the fact that his Star-Lord is the Star-Lord that Peter Quill kind of wanted himself to be. He wanted the respect. He kind of wanted to walk into a room and people know who he is. T'Challa was that effortlessly. Like, uh, 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 Jumon Honsu's, uh, I forget his character's name, but, um, he's like, a Star-Lord, it would be an honor to fight, you know, like, th- that guy. Um, he walks in, sees him, he's like, oh, Star-Lord, like, should I bow? Like, you know, he's like, it's not really a, a, an actual title, it's just a name. Like, he, he's like, but you are the infamous bounty hunter. That's exactly what Peter Quill wanted. And he has a different relationship with, with Yondu. There's, there's, there's a respect. And because it's, I don't know, it's just amazing to see the effect that T'Challa has had on all of these people. In this episode, because of T'Challa and who he is, Thanos, no, his, his genocide mission is, is a no-go. Because T'Challa is able to convince them there are other ways to, to, um, to allocate uh, um, the, universe uh, the universe's resources. And, uh, and um, did he do anything for, um, for Drax? Well, of course, because of that, you know, Drax's family never gets killed. You know, and he's, he's just a, a humble, friendly bartender now, but he's, his wife and daughter never, never die because Thanos never kills them. Um, the Ravagers, they're not space pirates, bounty hunters. They're, they're, they're the guardians of the galaxy. They go around doing good things for people. And, like, it's great. Um, and uh, Tavon, the, the collector, played by, uh, again, Benicio Del Toro. I'll say this in this episode, um, because in the first one, I think it was just Haley Atwell and Sebastian Stan, who, by the way, did a great job uh, as, uh, as um, Bucky again. Uh, in this episode, Michael Rooker comes back for Yondu. You know, Michael Rooker just talked about him in The, the Suicide Squad. Um, uh, Josh Brolin comes back as Thanos and is amazing. Karen Gillan comes back as, as Nebula. Who who has a blonde wig and and now has less mercenary vibes and more and more femme fatale uh, Bond girl kind of vibes and she has this cute nickname for uh, T'Challa calls him Cha Cha I'm like like do they have a history like a romantic history like do they have a past together because they seem very 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 close like. What do you think of of, of uh, episode two? Um, episode two was really amazing. It was really great to see Chadwick Boseman in that role again. Um, definitely emotional. You know, towards the end and like different lines that they had. I remember um Yondu said to him at the at the end of the episode. You know, I realized that he's the kind of person you are. You're gonna belong in any place, any place in the galaxy that or the universe that you go. And it's just like yeah, he's got that personality. But it was just it was just a really fun episode because like they didn't they changed pretty much everything. Like the Thanos thing blew my mind i was like wow but of course because it's so on brand with this kind of character and i don't know it was just a really fun episode i loved how like there were so many different things about it that was different like the collector who was this character who was kind of like feeble and like kind of weird and stuff he was like the muscle not the muscle but the the big bad guy of the galaxy at this time and he had this huge collection even bigger than the other one and after people and then we had the duck guy like who's the duck howard the duck howard yeah, it was just a very fun episode, and they put a little, like, a bunch of motifs, and, like, I really liked the thing at the end where, um, what's his name? When we go back to Chris Pratt's character, Quill, Peter Quill, and, oh, what's his name, his dad's name? Ego. Ego. 
Ego comes to visit him at the same Dairy Queen that him, Ego, and Quill's mother um, were at in Guardians 2. And I didn't notice that until like, Chris put on Guardians 2 again. And I realized, I'm like, that's the same Dairy Queen. And it's just like things like that that just made, I mean, not things like that, but like just the fact that there were so many different details that they added or changed. And it was, it was a fun episode. It makes, it makes all the difference, those, those subtle details, you know. It's, and that's the thing with the MCU and, and continuity. That's, that's the beauty of it. Um, I, I, I really liked, um, uh, yeah, uh, Tavon, the collector, he was, he was the bad guy, as Thanos said, since he never made the move, like the title for, you know, the, the, the scum and, and, and the terror of the galaxy was kind of up for grabs and Tavon is, is all big and swole now and he has, uh, and he has, uh, oh, this episode I learned, um, Hela, cause he has her weapons. Necro swords. I thought they're just spikes, but they're called necro swords, and you know she's just throwing them like over and over again, and that's like I was like, you know, a lot of people like you know praise you know phase three and four so far for the villains. I'm I'm I was, I'm never crazy about Hela to be honest. Like all she did was throw swords. I didn't think you know she was imprisoned, and I don't know. I I, did, I didn't find her all that compelling. Like. She wasn't like a three-dimensional villain. You know, there wasn't much to her. It was like those family issues, but because she was out of the picture for so long, you didn't have that same kind of sibling rivalry. It was just kind of like, oh, we have a sister. Oh, okay. And she's like the goddess of death or war. Was it war or death? Goddess of death. Yeah, I just, you didn't have any connection. You didn't really have a connection to like why she felt the way she did or why other than her just telling you, oh, you know, I was locked away. You just don't have, have anything. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, but it was cool to to learn to learn that the whole uh, uh necro sword thing. Um, what else did he had? He, he had um he had a a dagger from the dark elves. Uh, I think I saw on social media. Um, that rock hand he had was actually Korg's. So that's kind of sad. Like I guess Korg is is killed in this in this in this universe. T'Challa's father was that the same voice actor of the actual? It sounded. It definitely sounded like um and uh and I'll, yeah that too um. I liked that uh, his necklace, which is still Wakandan vibranium, was a trigger or a key to the Waka- to the Wakandan uh, spacecraft that was actually on you know on uh, uh, nowhere um, you know that that the uh, the uh, the head of of the uh, of the uh, of the, uh, the uh, celestial character, um, you know his necklace you know calls to it and we get you know the Black Panther oh my gosh every single th- like like. Yeah, the music it played in, in Falcon Winter Soldier whenever the Dora were around. It's I forget what it's called. It's like a, 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 I'm gonna butcher it like a, a Sengalese drum, uh, Sengalese. I, I it's a, it's so great. And because of Black Panther now, whenever I hear it, I, just, I get chills and excited because like who's gonna show up? Um, so it was great to hear that again. Uh, and also you know have Chad, Chadwick did an amazing job with the voiceover. I I tweeted about that. Um, uh, I I like so I like when he uh, when he gets onto the ship. Uh, he he triggers a message from his father, and he's just, you know like for anyone who finds my son, he's out there lost in space, but he's become home. And son, if you're watching this, you know you are out there in the skies. I look up there every I'm you know I look up every night, and you are the brightest, most beautiful star in the galaxy out there float floating. And I'm looking at you every night, and you know like he said something very beautiful and sweet, and you know like whenever. You know, like father and child, you know, relationships are displayed in the right positive way. It always, it always gets to me. It, it always does. Um, but um, but but yeah, like it just this episode in particular really opened the door and just really showed the potential of what this show can can be. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, the next episode is um episode three, and it's 
uh, what if Loki won the Battle of of New York? I, I believe, uh, and you know, the first Avengers movie. What if Loki won? What would that look like? Um, you know, like does does Thanos come to Earth? Do they? You know, is it like if is it like the apocalypse? Like if Darkseid took over? Is it just a barren wasteland and just Jatari soldiers flying around? Like I I I have no idea. But um uh, what do you have any any, any final thoughts on on what if? Um. Sorry, I'm going back into the Suicide Squad. We still have it in the background right now, Ignore and I started. I, okay, Ignore it. I can't wait for the new episode that's coming out on Wednesday. So that's what. Do we know what it's going to be about? Like what the topic is. I am so sorry. I, I was watching the Suicide Squad. I, ju- I just, I just said it. I just said it. Oh my gosh. Episode three is about Loki. What if Loki (gasps) won the Battle of New York? Oh my god, I can't wait. (laughs) Are they gonna add the time, the timekeepers too? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. But um, speaking of which, I am also really loving um, Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher. Uh, His voice is perfect for that kind of um, existential, uh, um, ancient being, kind of like um, the Monitor from DC or. um, What's the other character? Uh, is, is it Kronos? I, uh, time? I forget. Um, but like, um, he appears at the end of uh, Justice League Unlimited, and he helps uh, Luthor find the anti-life equation. But, like, he's just, like, uh, the Watcher, you know, the narrator for What If, he just, he just, he's one of those characters, I've been around forever, I've witnessed it all, I know what's, what's going to happen next. And, um, and, um, and, uh, and like, you know, I've, I've been around since, since forever, but I'm, I'm never going to interfere. Like I'm, I'm always just going to be watching is he's that kind of character and he's, and he's perfect for it. Um, but, uh, I, th- I think, I think that's, I think that's it for today. About 45 minutes. Talked about a lot. Talked about the suicide squad. Um, uh, talked about what if both episodes, uh, by the time this is out, I think episode three will also be out. Um, Oh man, uh, movies coming up. Um, I need to. Well, I'm not gonna. Probably not gonna be talking about it on on the podcast though. But like, I'll probably talk about Candyman. But I'll, I was thinking about Respect. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No one. No. I'll I'll write about Respect and I'll and I'll and I'll put it on. But but the big spectacle thing, cause that's that's just the way things are 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 in this uh in this um in this in this climate. That's, you know, streaming services are saving independent films because no one is paying to see them in theaters anymore. So they suffer and, and don't make any money. But it, it, like, 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 like Annette, like Last Black Man in San Francisco, like, like uh, the United States versus, versus Billy Holiday, just, you know, they're available on streaming. You can watch them anytime, you know, any, anywhere. So and right now it's, it's the big budget, you know, franchise films that are. You know, keeping theaters alive during this whole, you know, pandemic and and just this entire situation. It's it's this is the new uh, climate. This is the new model, and uh, I'm all I'm all here for it. Um, uh, you know, DC going forward. Um, we have uh, a Blue Beetle live action. You know, uh, confirmed and uh, Batgirl and and Black Canary. Oh oh, Black Canary. Uh, Journey Smollett Bell. Uh, that's exciting. Um. As someone who personally really enjoyed Birds of Prey, I, I was hoping, you know, for something continuing because it, it didn't make it, you know, it, it, I think the movie costs, like, it, it barely made its money back, like, barely, like, like, like on Box Office Mojo, I, I checked. Um, I, I'm glad she is getting her own uh, movie. She, for me, she was one of the highlights, even though, um, you know, certain things about what happened did didn't bother me, you know, two henchmen get like a, like get a shot on her you know she's supposed to be one of the best hand-to-hand combatants in all of dc 
and uh, and her and her canary cry uh, makes her pass out. I'm like, come on, man. No, like at least at least give it three or you know exhaust yourself. You know, do a few times before you pass out. Just like she she did it once and passed out. I was like, oh really? Um, but I'm so glad she's getting her own show or her own movie. I hope uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's uh, Huntress uh, comes back because she was also another highlight. Uh, she was so funny as the awkward, kind of quirky, uh, socially awkward um, uh, version of the character. How do you feel about um, about this uh, Journey Smollett Bell getting in? An exclusive cannot. movie on HBO Max. I'm, I can't wait. I'm so excited about that. Like you said, streaming services allows for this to happen, for people to make movies like this. Like, I don't know if they'd give her the big screen yet, but maybe if she if this movie is successful enough, they'll, they'll put it on the big screen. So I'm pretty excited about that. I love this actress. I loved her in Lovecraft. Um, excited to see her in more things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, I, I really hope to see her in more things, especially in the DCEU. I hope this isn't just an exclusive, you know, separate universe they're doing on HBO Max where it's only certain characters we're going to meet. I hope eventually they all get to be in the, in the DCEU. Um, so, um, yeah, that was also really exciting news. Um, did anything else big? Oh, um, real quick, uh, Cowboy Bebop today got some pictures of, of the live-action uh, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, going to be on Netflix November 19th, I believe. John Cho, you know, Harold Her- from Harold and Kumar, uh, he is playing Spike Spiegel. And I have to say, of course, it's it's you know it's anime. These characters are you know, Japanese characters, and they should be played by by you know actors who look like them. You know, or at least you know people people of of, of color. Um, I don't know the actor playing. Um, dang, what is his name? I I'm t- uh, J- uh, um, Jet, I believe. Yeah, Jet. Um, you know, he's he's not Asian. He's a black guy, but you know, he's I don't know. He's he's still a person of color. Doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm talking about John Cho right now. He looks amazing. The the outfit is spot on for Spike Spiegel. His hair at first made me giggle a little bit, but I'm like, you know what? No, I, I, they're going for it, and and it looks good. And uh, um, they have uh, they have Einstein, you know, the Corgi. Uh, Faye look Faye looks really cool. Uh, I cannot wait for this. Um, either. Um, it's crazy to me that we are getting a Cowboy Bebop series live action, and we're also getting a Blade Runner anime. Like, I'm just getting my my futuristic, you know, just bounty hunter blade runner type of universe i'm just i'm the fact that i'm getting it all at once is is so is so so crazy um um i don't think sam is gonna be interested i mean in in, um in star wars visions he might you know it's star wars but through the lens and scope of if anime uh uh, disney tapped uh nine of the most you know popping uh anime studios right now in, in japan to make some stories they are going to be uh, non-canon. They're just fun stories for us, the fans, to watch and enjoy. They'll be uh, dubbed and subbed. Um, I'm going to watch it subbed, of course, just for the full you know, anime experience. Um, and I can't wait for that. There's so much good stuff coming out right, uh, coming out pretty soon. Um, and that's like the next thing from Star Wars before like, anything else. Before uh, Boba Fett in December, I think. Uh, Star Wars Visions. So um, that's exciting. Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop is exciting. Uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus is, is exciting. Um, I am excited for Candyman. Uh, Shang-Chi is coming out soon. We have a lot to talk about, and I can't wait to talk about it with all you guys. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. 
This was a fun conversation. It was. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm excited for Candyman because Chris never likes to watch horror films, so he's going to watch this one with me. Um, so I'm excited for that and all the other exciting movies coming out. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the soft voice. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, thank you to everyone tuning in. Uh, Sam, uh, thank you, my friend, from afar. I know you don't like being thanked. I think, uh, I think one of the last times I thanked you, you, you said, fuck you. I was like, all right, that's that's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's it. I'm excited for I'm excited for, for what's coming out. Uh, what's coming out next? Uh, can't wait to hop hop on the next pod with you all. And uh, yeah, Sam, take us out.